Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. What we saw last week was that Habakkuk was asking God a question. He was looking at the nation of Judah, and he was seeing wickedness. He was seeing uh, injustice that was being done. You know, the one who was the king in the land, Jehoiakim, you know, he should have been like a Messiah. He was the son of David. You know, he was sitting on David's throne, and yet he was unjust and he was wicked. And Habakkuk asks, how long, how long are you, are you going to, to just stay quiet while I'm praying and asking for justice to be done? And God answers. God answers and he, he says that the Babylonians are going to come and they're going to crush Judah. They're just going to bowl right over them and, and God was going to punish His own people. The promises that he made, the curses that he promised in Deuteronomy were going to be fulfilled. God was going to punish his people. But now, the passage we're looking at today, Habakkuk again asks a question. He, He knows that God is from eternity past. He is perfect in every attribute that he has. And he cannot... He cannot tolerate sin. And Habakkuk asks, how can God use this wicked people, these Babylonians, to to come and punish His people? Are are they just going to get off the hook? Are are these Babylonians who are coming in to crush Judah, are they just going to get off the hook without any punishment themselves? And God answers. In chapter 2, He says, write down what I'm going to tell you. This vision that's going to come. Write it down. This is going to be sometime in the future. But right now, things look bad. Things look look pretty bad. But in the future, there's going to be a time coming when the Babylonians are going to get their justice as well. God will come. And He says to Habakkuk, I'm going to just talk about verse 4 for a second. Behold, his soul is puffed up. That's talking about the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. They're puffed up, they're prideful, but they're not upright. They're sick within them. But on the other hand, the righteous one, the just, will live by faith. The just one. The believer, the one who who trusts God for His promises, will just hold on to God's promises to have faith. In spite of how bad it looks, in spite of how it looks like injustice is carrying out victory, the just one will hold on to his faith, his trust that God is good, that God is in control, that justice will be done. Let's look at our text. We're going to read from... uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, starting in verse 12. We're going to actually go all the way through chapter 2. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment. 
And you, O rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, the crawling things that have no ruler. He brings them all up with a, with a hook and he drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets so that he, who, he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor. An arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol, like death. He never has enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. Shall not these take up their taunt against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. For how long? And loads himself with pledges. Will not your creditors suddenly arise and those who will make you tremble. Then you will be spoiled for them, because you have plundered many nations. All the remnant of the peoples shall plunder you, for the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm, You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life. The stone wall, the stone will cry out from the wall. The beam from the woodwork respond. Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, it is not from the Lord of hosts that people labor merely for fire. And nations weary themselves for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who makes his neighbor drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you and utter shame will come upon your glory. 
The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as will the destruction of the beasts that terrified them. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. What profit is an idol when its maker has shaped it, and a metal image teacher a teacher of lies? For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes a speechless idol. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake, to a stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath in it at all. But the Lord sits in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, help us, uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word. Let us heed your voice as we listen for the voice of our shepherd. And Father, be with me. Help me, uh, preserve me from error, and uh, help me to, uh, to speak boldly what your word says. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we begin with Habakkuk's question. But actually, before he gives his question, he says some things about God, something about His nature. And he he begins saying, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord? Are you not from everlasting? God has existed from all eternity. He has no beginning. He's so different from any of us. Each one of us were born at a specific time. And while we were born, we came into existence as creations of God. We will go on into eternity, but God Himself has been from all eternity. He has existed. He had no beginning. But Habakkuk then says, we shall not die. What does he mean there? What does he mean there? Now, there's a problem here. Uh, some of the rabbis, the older rabbis, thought that this maybe have, was written wrong. And there's only one letter difference to say, we shall not die or you shall not die. If it said you shall not die, it would basically be saying the same thing. Are you not from everlasting? You'll never die. He's saying something about God. But here we have it. There isn't any of the old texts that say you shall not die. All of them say we shall not die. What does that mean? He's saying something about God and how God is from everlasting. What does he mean whenever he says, we shall not die? I find a little bit of trouble here. The, the best that I can come up with as I, as I try to think about an explanation, why is he saying we shall not die? Is because God has made a promise to his people. God has promised that he will set an anointed one on a throne of David. And God will not come and destroy His nation, Judah, completely. He's not going to utterly wipe them out completely. When Habakkuk says, we shall not die, I think he's expressing his faith in the promise that God's promises will not come to an end whenever He punishes His people. But instead, he expresses faith, His people will not be wiped out. 
There will be someone who will come and who will sit on God's on David's throne forever. That God will be faithful to his promises. And then he says, "O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment." He's talking about the Babylonians. God, he's, he's trusting that God is the one who's in control, that He is the one who sent the Babylonians to come and punish His people. And He says, Oh, you and you, O oh, rock, have established them for a reproof. He's trusting God is the one who's done this. God is not just using what is the circumstances of the day, but God is the one who rose up the Chaldeans, like we saw in the last, last week. God is the one who's doing this. You, Habakkuk says, who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. He's starting to bring up attention here. How in the world can God, who is of purer eyes than to see evil, He's, he's, he's so pure, He's so holy, He cannot bear to look at evil, and yet God uses the Babylonians, these wicked people, to come in and punish his people. And Habakkuk is asking the question, how long will this be? How can this, how can this possibly be that a God who is perfect in every perfection, a God who is so pure, he can't even look at evil, and yet he uses evil and wicked men to carry out his justice. Habakkuk asks, why? Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent? You can see the anguish that's in Habakkuk's heart. Why? Why? God, you're just sitting back and looking. You're just watching this. You can't even look at evil, but you're looking at this, Habakkuk says. You just sit back silent while the wicked swallow up those who are more righteous than they are. Habakkuk then changes his tone a little bit. He says, You have made mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. And begins to talk about the Babylonians. He talks about the Babylonians as if they're some kind of fisherman who goes with his hook and he throws his hook in and he drags out the fish. And this fisherman, he, he drags them out with a hook. He drags them out with a, a seine, with a net. And he gathers them all into his dragnet and he rejoices. This, this Babylonian fisherman, he's rejoicing because he has such a big catch. And then he says, therefore he sacrifices to his net and he makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury. Habakkuk says this, this, the Babylonians are like this fisherman. He, he, he goes and he uses his fish net, he throws it into the water, he catches all kinds of fishes and it makes him happy and glad and then he worships his tools. He worships the very thing that made him rich, that made him live in luxury. It's a picture of idolatry. These Babylonians... They come in and they crush and they crush and they rejoice because of all the spoil they get and they worship idols. And finally, Habakkuk says, Is he then to keep on emptying his net 
and mercilessly killing nations forever. Basically, Habakkuk is saying, are you just going to sit back and watch this? These Babylonians, these pagans, these idolaters, they are destroying your people. And are you just going to sit back and watch this and let this go on? Habakkuk then, he says, I'm going to take my stand. I'm going to stand on a watch post and I'm going to wait. I'm going to be silent and I'm going to wait for God to give me an answer. Verse, two, verse 1 of chapter 2, he says, I will take my stand at the watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. He's just going to wait. He's going to wait to hear from God. And sometimes when we are in anguish because of the the things that we see in the world, and we see how this world is broken and it is not the way it should be. And we ask God, why? And we ask God, how long is it going to be this way? We need to be like a backpack and we just need to have faith and we need to just sit back and wait to see what God will say to us. And then the Lord answers. Verse 2, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he who runs may read it. For still the vision awaits appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. What God is telling him, he needs to write this down. Write it down. This is what I'm answering you. Because you're going to need to know this in the future. It's not going to happen yet. You're right now, you're still going to wait and you're going to watch injustice. It's going to happen. But there is coming a time and it will not delay. It will not delay forever. It's coming. Judgment is going to come on the Babylonians too. God says in verse 4, Behold, his soul is puffed up. As I was translating through this, the idea is swollen. It's not just prideful. But it's swollen, like, like you'd have an injury that's just all swollen. Behold, his soul is puffed up and prideful, but swollen. And it is not upright within him. He's just sick. But the righteous one will live by his faith. The righteous one, the believer, the one who believes in God's promises will have faith. While the this fisherman lives by his tools and his net and his, his uh, hook that he throws out and he catches his fish. The righteous one, on the other hand, he's going to live by faith. He's going to trust in God's promises. He's going to trust that while everything around him looks bad, it looks horrible, God will be faithful and God is good. Verse 5, moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. His, like death, he never has enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. It's difficult to really understand what he's talking about. Why It doesn't seem like wine fits in this place. I really don't have an answer for that. But basically, I, I think he's talking about the Babylonians. The Babylonians are like wine, and they, they just don't have they don't they have an appetite that is for that is for destruction, and they just keep on taking, and they keep on destroying, and they collect for their own peoples from every 
tribe that they just roll over. Their appetite is like the grave that is never satisfied. But verse 6, he says, Shall not all these take up their taunt against him? Who's that all these? He's talking about the peoples. The peoples that they are taking captive like fish. The peoples that they are taking captive, they're going to rise up and they're going to taunt Babylon and say, you're getting what you deserve. And here's what they taunt. They have five woes that they pronounce on Babylon. And all of them are basically saying, you're getting what you deserve, Babylon. These people who have been destroyed, they're going to rise up on the last day and they're going to point out how Babylon is getting just what they deserve. They say, woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. For how long? And loads himself with pledges. At first, as I read that, I thought it must sound like stealing. You know, taking what is not your own. But actually the vision, the, 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 the picture that, it, that Habakkuk is giving us here is one of credit. You're taking up what is not your own. You're, you're charging things and building a lot of accumulation, but it's not really yours. Right? When we... I've got, I'm myself in a lot of debt. And I can kind of relate to this. You're heaping up what is not your own. And he loads himself with pledges. And and then he says, will not your your debtors suddenly arise? Those who will make you tremble. And then you will be spoiled for them. He's saying the Babylonians are like these people who have just racked up a lot of debt, but their creditors are going to come and they're going to demand payment. Because you have plundered many nations, he's just continued to take and take and take. You've plundered many nations, but they're going to be plunder. The remnant of the people shall plunder you, Habakkuk says. For the blood of man and for violence to the earth, to the cities who dwell in them. They've plundered, they've taken things that were not their own, but these cities, these peoples, they're going to come and plunder the Babylonians. Then he gives a second woe. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many people. You have forfeited your life. For the stone will cry out from the walls and the beam from the woodwork respond. He's talking about here trying to build this house up high and safe where nobody can reach them. They're proudful, they're boastful, and they're building their own house. And so much like the house on the sand that Jesus talked about. Because one day, the very stones that they used to build it out of oppression are going to cry out against them. The beams and the woodwork are going to cry out against them. It will all come crashing down on the Babylonians who think they're so great, they're so boastful, and it will all come crashing down. In verse 12, he gives a, they give a third woe. Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, it is, not, is it not from the Lord of hosts that peoples labor merely for fire and nations weary themselves for nothing? 
He talks there about a, how the Babylonians, they're building for themselves, they're building these, these cities and everything, but they're doing it with iniquity, and it all ends up just worthless. All the labors that they're doing, it's all just meant for the fire. But, in contrast, he starts to point out some things for hope. There in verse 14, while the Babylonians, the cities that they're building, they're not going to last. In contrast, verse 14, for the earth, not just a city, not just a small city, but the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You know, while Habakkuk is is sitting back and he's crying out to God, why don't you do something about these Babylonians? God tells him there will be a day one day. There will be a day when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. You know, we believe that as believers. Jesus is coming again one day. He is coming the just The justice of God will be established throughout all the earth. He will set up His kingdom and all will be right. He will make all that was wrong in the world right. And in that day, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. God will destroy all of His enemies, everyone that opposed Him. And we believers will reign with Christ. And in that day, what a beautiful picture. The whole world will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God like the waters cover the sea. While it looks bad now, Habakkuk looks to the future and he says, one day it won't be this way. One day everyone will acknowledge God and His goodness. And then another woe, fourth woe. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour down your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. He picked, they picture the Babylonians as, as taking a person and just pouring alcohol, pouring wine down their throats and making them drunk so that they don't know what they're doing and they just revel and the Babylonians can just gaze, just stare at their nakedness. And God says the same thing that happens to the, the people that the Babylonians are, are oppressing is going to happen to them as well. He says, you will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself, it's your turn now, Habakkuk says, and show your uncircumcision. And then he again talks about the Lord and His judgment, His wrath. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you, Babylonians. God's justice, God's wrath is going to come around to you and utter shame will come upon your glory. He says to the Babylonians, for the violence that they've done to Lebanon will overwhelm them. And then, as will the destruction of the beasts that terrify them. For the blood of man and for violence to the earth, the cities and all who dwell in them. 
Then he gives another woe. He doesn't begin this woe with woe. (laughs) But he starts talking about idolatry in verse 18. He says, what profit is an idol when its maker has shaped it? The metal image, a teacher of lies, for its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes a speechless idol. These idolaters, the Babylonians, they're just... They're, they're making these very things that they're bowing down to. How absurd is that? Isaiah talks about it too. A man takes a stump and he, and he chops away at it and he carves away at it and then he bows down to the very thing that he's made. It's just absurd. 19, verse 19, he says, Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake! And to a silent stone, arise. As if that stone or that piece of wood is going to answer or do anything. Can this teach? I think that's asking the question, is is this picture that we see here of the idolatry, is that going to teach a lesson? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver and there is no breath in it at all. There's no life in a lifeless, soundless, mute idol. But finally, Habakkuk comes to the last verse here in chapter 2. But the Lord is in His holy temple. This idol is not going to do anything. He can't say anything. It's just a block of wood. It's mute. It can't say anything. And yet, the Lord is in His holy temple. Everything looks bad. Everything looks horrible. It looks like injustice is reigning in the world. But the Lord is in His holy temple. He is sitting on a throne. He is ruling over His creation. He is the sovereign Lord. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. It's not God who is mute and silent, like these idols are mute. But it's the whole earth. When we see God lifted up, we must keep silent. We have nothing to stay. God is good. God is just. He will carry out punishment upon His enemies. Let the whole world keep silent. That's Habakkuk's message for Habakkuk's day. Habakkuk asked the question, Why God? Why do you let this injustice upon your people continue? And God tells him, The just will live by faith. You're going to trust that I am good and that I will do what is right. He tells, look to the future. Look to a time one day in the future where the knowledge of God will cover the earth as the the waters covers the sea. He says, the Lord, while it looks bad, the Lord sits on His throne in heaven and He rules over everything. The whole world has to keep silent. And we think about how Paul talked about the just shall live by faith. In Romans, I am not ashamed of the power 
I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. For the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. God's righteousness was revealed in the gospel. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Often we think of the very first reason when we think of why Jesus died on the cross was for me. We think of a very man-centered reason. It's because of me. Well, He did die for us. He did die for us. But primarily, God, Jesus died to vindicate God's righteousness. He died for God. We don't like hearing that. We like to think, God, he, Jesus died for me. But yes, He did die for me. But more importantly, He died to vindicate God's Righteousness. God has made a promise that He would send a Savior. And He has forgiven so much from us. He could not just sweep it under the rug. He could not just wink at our sin. But He had to pour out the cup of God's wrath upon His own Son. To vindicate His own righteousness. And that we could be saved. The gospel. The gospel is the power of God. Unto salvation for all who believe. Both Jew and Greek. Black, white, red, yellow. He has died to vindicate God's righteousness. He rose from the dead. And when we look out and we see the world as a difficult place and we cry out and ask God, why is it this way? Why does it continue so long? We look to the cross and we see that God's righteousness was vindicated upon Jesus. His righteousness was vindicated. He is both the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.